Hey everybody, welcome back to Walk in Faith. This is exciting. I have Monsignor Jamie, who, like I said, who traveled all the way from Brooklyn to be with me. But we have Alejandro and Ali back. Thank you, Alejandro. I really appreciate this. Well, thank you for having us. And I know you don't like to be on camera, so I have a priest who will sort of help us <laughs> out. Yeah, help me that. out. We may need you're, you're usually we behind the, the camera filming. Now you're in front. But Alejandro, I want to just read this to you, right? And, and I don't think you, you read the book yet, but this is what Ali wrote about you, right? So, I mean, like most of us, I watch Bella, little boy, been a fan, right? You know, always feel like we're in the similar circle. But when I read this, she said, let me read this. Alejandro is the answer to my prayers. He was delivered to me. He's trustworthy and kind. But what's more important is that he leads our family and is our biggest protector and supporter. He makes sure we're in church every single Sunday and he reminds us to bring gratitude in every day, to always put God first and being fully faithful and surrendering to his plan. He has high standards for himself and he always is trying to be better and do better. When you have someone like that in your life and makes you want to do better, he's the most incredible partner to me. And I don't think I would be in a place where I am without him. I feel like he's my gift from God. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Oh. That's beautiful. That's <laughs> Right? Yeah, I have she... to compose myself. <laughs> you were right. And when I read that, no, really, when I read that, I was like, I said to her, I said, this is, when we do these men's conferences and we try to teach men how to be, you know, godly men, mm -hmm. that, that's all I have to read. And that's at the end of the conference. This is what you need. I will. But this is what you it's need to follow. True. It's all true. Unbelievable. And you can tell it came right from the heart. Yeah. And I've told him this many times in many of a card or when I'm speaking about him in front of our children, when we're saying what we're grateful for. You know this. That That's how I feel about you. Well, now I do. It's nice to hear, <laughs> I'm sure. But it's not like it's something that I hold Amazing. back. Like. He is all of that. That's the facts. Well, thank you so much for including me. You're welcome. The importance of bringing the children and the family to church. Oh my that, that's... goodness. He is the true leader of our family. I mean, especially when it comes to the faith. I mean, he keeps us all in line. He reminds us whether it's our family or with friends, he always brings up the gratitude game, which sometimes I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> he's like, okay, I want to go around the table saying what we're grateful for. He's, uh, he's really wonderful. Well, thank you. One of the greatest inheritance that I received from my parents was my faith. Mm. And that's pretty much what we want to do with our children. Mm -hmm. That is the greatest thing you can live with. Yes. That will help you to go through everything. When God takes us to profound and deep waters, we think, He's taking us there to drown us sometimes, but it's to purify us. And that's the faith that changes your perspective into why is it that you're in those deep waters. And in the rite of baptism, there's the prayer says, you to the parents, you are the first teachers of your children in the ways of faith. Right. And from what I've just met you guys and reading about you, you truly are. It's wonderful. Thank you. And to all parents out there, I just want to say what a comfort faith is to a child. I see my children, even the simple things like at night, like a little afraid of the dark and scared to go to bed. Like, Mom, Rita, I was like, you have your guardian angel. Mm -hmm. Say a little prayer to God. I have like a Mary and Jesus little stuffed doll that they sleep with and they say their prayers and their angels come yep. and they, and then they're good to go. And I just can't imagine children not having that foundation of faith yes. as they go through their lives, like what comfort that's going to give mm. them, like it's given us. 
I do that in the morning. My son goes to school. He's anxious. And I'm like, let's surrender it over to the Lord. Let's pray. Yeah. yeah. And I explain it to him. And yeah. he gets it. He goes yeah. to, you know, a Catholic school. So it's yeah. it's part of the yeah. culture. But yeah. it's so important because we're called to be the priests of our household. Yeah. No offense, Monsignor. No. <laughs> As fathers, that's what we're called. I mean, right? I mean, you're embodying this. And it's you. We see it through your films, just the way you interact with people. I spoke to a friend, Michael Manhart. He helped out raising money. And I said, oh, I'm going to meet Alejandro. I know him a long time. He goes, he's beautiful, that man. He's brilliant. Like, those are the things that will. Only people that we know, Jason, yeah. like, everyone says that. And then to see it, like, man, it's amazing. God bless you, brother. Oh, thank you. This is really. Your- this is a feast. We're making you feel really good. Yeah, you got a tan. Uh, he's going to walk out of here and he's going to yeah. 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 No, really, look, we traveled all the way here. I mean, it's amazing, really. Yeah. And you have so many projects coming out. You know, we were talking about Sound of Freedom, right? We were with Bob the other day from, you know, CEO Goya. He was telling us about the film. And, and we were with Will the other day and, and about Jim. And, and now Mother Cabrini, tell us a little bit about the films that you're currently working on. And how did you get into creating films that are not just for entertainment? goes back a little bit I just told the story the other day I was in film school and I was doing films because I love cinema and I love the art of cinema but that was the only reason and I was in film school and one day I saw a film Schindler's List oh, yeah. I remember the end of the film you know when Schindler it's all broken down and he's crying and you think he's crying because he just rescued all these people and it turns out that he was crying out of sadness because he could sell his car and save one more and I question myself right there is uh, what am I doing for others, right? A life not lived for others is a wasted life, mm-hmm. right? So right there is when I had a little shift and I say, you know, I want to start making films that somehow serve you, to move you, to elevate you as a human. With any movies that continue to do work after we're no longer here, after we die. I was like, I want to make films that continue to elevate human dignity after we die. So that's how it started. Most of the films, actually the movies that I want to make, normally are, don't get made. It's the films that I'm called to make. Those mm-hmm. are the ones that all of a sudden they just take off. So the first film was Bella and that's how it started. I made a tiny, tiny little film and my dream was to enter into a festival, especially <laughs> Toronto. And I just wanted to have the official selection and we ended up you know, winning the People's Choice Award and that's kind of like what launched my career. And I just have two films that uh, hopefully will be coming out in theaters soon. Two complete different stories, but at the same time, they're both stories that have those elements. I like to make films that do not impose a theme. I like to make movies that when the movie is finished, it's really just the beginning of the film. Mm -hmm. And when you leave the theater, you start to process the core and the theme of the movie. I love that. And you were in Bella. I was. I saw that was a very important part of the film. I was in Bella. I, we were not married. You guys, yeah, you guys met because we of uh, uh, Eduardo. Sorry, you met because of Eduardo. Eduardo he was doing a theology. Yes. And he asked you to come, Invited and then you guys me. met, yeah. and then you cast her in the film. Is that how it worked? No, I had to audition. Oh. We were engaged, and uh, he's like, "I really want you to do this part, but this is my first film. Like, there's a lot of other people that have to say yes and approve." So you're going to have to audition. <laughs> so I did. You did great. And I, I did. Oh, it was fantastic. You no, know, when I met her, I was sleeping in, uh, I was living in people's couches. Couches. You know, I, I was completely uh, <laughs> was. broke as you can be. <laughs> and I was just a dreamer. I, I just had a couple of short films and I was writing Bella. 
and that's when we met. Mm -hmm. So I knew that she liked me because of me, because I had nothing <laughs> at that time. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's Craig Syracuse. I'm the host of Walk in Faith, and I'm also the executive director of the Emmaus Center. If you would like to find out ways that you can contribute and help us bring the Word of God, help us evangelize, please log on to EmmausBrooklyn.org for more information. God bless you. Hey guys, welcome back to the next part of Walk in Faith with Ali Landry and Alejandro Monteverdi. How did you get involved in Kaboom? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things that come into play. I started meditating five years ago and contemplation happens to you, right? And you can identify it, you know, meditation, like my wife say, it's just to kind of tell your mind that you're not your thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. your, your soul, you're, you're, you're definitely not your mind. So I continuously have to do that in the morning. So one morning in meditation and I hear the word solo and I heard it in Spanish, you know, solo. And then I started reflecting on that for a couple of weeks and I came to the conclusion that I have always tried to control my life. I have never really taken a path where I just take the back seat and surrender. I read a book called The Surrender Experiment and really moved me and I said, I wanna try that. And I started in that path and two weeks later, two weeks after I did that little shift, I get a phone call uh, for me to read the script on uh, Mother Cabrini. They just wanted my opinion. It's not even an offer. But I was in that path, in the surrender mode path, that I was like, took it seriously. I but was can like, I okay. share what that meant for you? Mm -hmm. Well, he deleted like Instagram. Mm -hmm. He left his agents, his manager. Wow. When he said solo, it was like solo. Yeah. Like if people want to find me, they're going to have to know somebody to get to me. He's like, are you okay with this? I was like, I don't know if I'm okay with this. Like just solo wanted... could just mean yeah. like, you know, not that, that's an extreme, but he's like, I have to see. Mm. I, I just wanted to, to try as an experiment. I knew I could always go back. go back. Little by little, I was like, well, what about if I delete Instagram? What about if I delete all my social media? What about if I take every information that is out there on the internet? And I just was going in that path and then I got that phone call. So I was like, oh, seems that it's <laughs> working. working. Yeah, exactly. But, my first instinct was, I don't know if I want to make a film. Unfortunately, my films get labeled right away, and I'm always trying to fight that. The worst thing you can do to anything is to label it, right? Mm -hmm. So it was about a, a non, Mother Cabrini. First thing, I was like, I'm not gonna do this movie. You know, before I read it, I was already passing. But 
it came from one of my mentors, Justus Wolfington. Mm -hmm. And I am a soldier for Justus, I, I tell him that all the time. So if he calls and he says, I want you to read this, I'm going to read it. But I remember one of our kids had a birthday, a birthday party. A birthday party. It was a Sunday. Hundreds of little kids, yeah. a zebra. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, you know, like everybody, we, we have attention deficit disorder, you know. <laughs> I kind of always do a couple of things at the same time. Yeah. So I'm like, look. I'm gonna bring that script to this birthday party. I mean, there were like donkeys. Yeah, there was a zebra there. Animals. I mean, zebra. Like a... We're reading the script on the yeah. side. And yeah. I just sit down and I'm thinking, I'm yeah, not, yeah. this is not for me, but out of favor, I'm gonna read it. And and I remember also that they told me that Eustace had met with Martin Scorsese because he was gonna direct the film, and that he told him make sure the director is a female and Italian. So obviously that's Sofia Coppola. So I knew yeah, that yeah. they were kind of going. <laughs> Not the Mexican. That one going through that path. So I'm reading it with that mind. Like it's first, it's not for me. Second, not mm -hmm. a woman. I'm not Italian. I need this information. So I'm reading it, and what happens is when I read a script, for me it's a motion picture. You tell story visually. So if I'm read it and the visuals come, then I know this is for me. If I read it and the visuals don't come, that's how I discern if mm -hmm. I'm gonna do a project or not. It's that simple. That's For me, that's how it works. So I start reading it and I started seeing the whole film, but I started seeing it in black and white. Wow. And I didn't question, I was like, why in black and white? I don't shoot black and white. I've never actually, well, just my first short film, I shot black and white, but not by choice because that was the only <laughs> film stock I was able to get. <laughs> so I started reading, I started reading black and white and I realized why. I said, you know what? This is a story about a woman that happens to be a nun about a woman that literally revolutionized New York, but not just New York, she created an empire of hope worldwide. She's the patron of immigrants, you know, I'm an immigrant. Like I started seeing everything and I said, oh, Darius, I understand what has to be black and white because she's dressed in black and white. So if everybody's dressed in black and white, she's not gonna pop out mm. like she's wearing this outfit that people have a prejudice about right away. Oh, a nun is gonna be boring. So I built the whole story in black and white I went to present it, then I was and I got really excited. And I called Eustace, so I was like, you know what? Uh, if there is room, I would like to share my vision with you. I say, everybody can do a movie, everybody. Very few people can do the vision mm -hmm. of the film. And I want to share my vision. It's different than the script. The script is just a blueprint. So I go, this is like literally three or four days later. I fly to Philadelphia and I present the vision to Eustace and Eustace loves it. And I presented that the vision is in black and white. And at that point, everything went great. And for like almost a year and a half, I started designing the film, I, We. I include Mother Cabrini, she was executive producer of the film. She's listed <laughs> in the credits. Yeah. Executive wow. producer, oh, wow. Francesca Cabrini. The way the, the whole vision came together also was not just what black and white, but the way it was gonna be shot. Have you ever seen the documentary Solo? It's the same thing as climbing with no ropes. Mm -hmm. And it was also an inspiration to shoot the film. There was no coverage. It's very unorthodox. It's all choreographed. So I started choreographing with my cinematographer. Now, when you choreograph something, you're really not doing coverage. So there's only one way to edit the film. Hitchcock and many filmmakers early in the early days, they were not allowed to edit. So they were literally forced themselves to shoot it in a way that that could only be edited that way. Mm -hmm. And I also was very influenced by uh, Andrei Tarkovsky and Kurosawa. And these guys, 
it was different because before it's not like today that you could just have machines and edit all you want. Before it was like yeah, cutting yeah. the film. So it was more limited, but that pushes them. It's a different approach. Yeah. It's just different, but it's really risky. The whole film started to take place like that. And then two weeks before we go shoot, two weeks, Eustace comes to the set. And I knew he's coming for one or two things. <laughs> Either to say, this is enough, you're fired. <laughs> Or I kind of knew this is not going to be black and white, which was a blessing because we designed the whole film to be black and white. When we switched it to color, we didn't change anything in terms of the cinematic approach, the language. Black and white allows you to be a little more theatrical, more operatic. Mm -hmm. You kind of fall yourself into the magic of cinema. When it's color, it's a little more real because life is in color, right? Yeah. So we decided to just continue on with the path, but just now in color. So the lighting and everything, it was very impressionistic way of telling the story. And when we crafted it all together, that's why I say Carini was involved everything. You know, I call them divine accidents. There was elements in there that I wish I could take credit for, but it was just everything just came together beautifully. And I'm extremely excited and proud of this film and I became a big, big fan of Mother Cabrini. Wow. And that also started opening the doors into looking up who did she inspire, mm. Mother Teresa. The run of the reasons that she became a nun was she was very inspired by Mother Cabrini. Yeah. So I say Mother Cabrini is my manager. Wow. <laughs> you know, you can see it, you're a man of faith, but I see that doing this film has impacted your faith even more. Oh, mm -hmm. I mean, do you think that same impact is going to be made on the people that watch this film? Well, so far it has. We just finished the film and we started testing the film and the reaction has been beyond what I could expect. Yeah. And I had higher expectations. Yeah. So we're very, very excited to share this. We shine a light on her life so her life shines a light in the world. There is a line that she says, the world is too small for what I intend to do. When I was watching the film one day, I said, well, she didn't say, well, she's alive. Mm -hmm. So her legacy continues on. Mm -hmm. And what she accomplished, she created an empire as big as the Rockefellers and the Bandelbirds while she was alive. In one of the books that I read, she was called also the businesswoman. Yeah. She would go in into one country, three months later, boom, she was building things, move on to the other country. And she was also defying that because they always tell her, you have two years more to live, three years more to live. Yeah. So it's an incredible story. And it is a story about a woman that happens to be a nun in this case. So it is a story for everybody.
Hey guys, thanks for watching today's special episode and stay tuned for part two of Walk in Faith. Always remember guys, you have the ability to inspire and evangelize through words and actions. God bless you.